Hey, Princeton family. Um, it's uh, a little different way to meet this week than what we did last week. Last week, Heather uh, was given the surprise task of recording her sermon via audio on Saturday. And, and now uh, this week we're going to do something a little bit different than just a, a traditional sermon message. Hopefully going to be something that can be um, somewhat interactive in the sense that you have an opportunity to, to hit pause and to discuss maybe with the people that you're with or to hit pause and look at the piece of scripture and reflect on the piece of scripture yourself as well. And so Emily is going to be joining us uh, this week as we think through um, the next section of uh, scripture in the series that we're in. And uh, for those who might be just joining us, the series that we're in is on the book of Mark as we talk about the authority of Jesus. And then this week we move to uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to hear two stories of Jesus having authority. Jesus having authority over people's uh, lives is one of them. And, and, and also Jesus having authority over diseases, uh, which is pretty poignant to today. Sure. There's not too often in the global church where we are all experiencing the same thing together um, and the worldwide. So this is a unique time and this is a great message for us. When we read the New Testament miracles, many times we are looking um, at healing as being more than just physical, healing, the healings of Jesus being um, spiritual or emotional. Uh, right now in our world, we need physical healing. Uh, we need to pray that into uh, our world. We need to uh, intercess for each other that we would be safe. Um, and we have hope in the authority of Jesus Christ. And he gives us that same authority through his spirit. So these stories are important not just for us to get to know Jesus, but for us to get to know the Holy Spirit which dwells in us. That's great. That's great, Emily. Thanks. Uh, and so as we think about that, we're going to uh, read our scripture passage for today, which comes from uh, Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. And like we normally do, I'm going to read from the New International Reader's Version. And for those who are just tuning in with us that aren't used to that translation, it's written at a third grade level. And at Princeton, that's when uh, students start uh, attending church with their families, and we want to make sure that they understand the words of Scripture. Uh, it's not meant to demean any of us adults and, and say that we can't understand Scripture the way it is, but we really want them to understand uh, what it is we study together. So you can feel free to follow along in a different translation. I'm sure uh, Emily and I are going to reference different ones as well. But let's start the reading at uh, Mark 5, uh, starting at verse 21. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee in a boat. It landed at the other side. There a large crowd gathered around him. Then a man named Jairus came. He was a synagogue leader. When he saw, that, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He begged Jesus, please come. My little daughter is dying. Place your hands on her to heal her. Then she will live. So Jesus went to him. A large group of people followed. Uh, they crowded around him. A woman was there who had a sickness that made her bleed, and it lasted for 12 years. 
She had suffered a great deal, even though she had gone to many doctors. She had spent all the money she had, but she was getting worse, not better. Then she heard about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She thought, I just need to touch his clothes, then I will be healed. Right away, her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that her suffering was over. At once, Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my clothes? You see, the, pe you see the people, his disciples answered. They are crowding against you, and you still ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around. He wanted to see who had touched him. Then a woman came and fell at his feet. She knew what had happened to her. She was shaking with fear, but she told him the truth. He said to her, Dear woman, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You are free from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some of the people came from the house of Jairus. He was the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother with the teacher anymore? Jesus heard what they were saying. He told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. He let only Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, follow him. They came to the home of the synagogue leader. There Jesus saw a lot of confusion. People were crying and sobbing loudly. He went inside. Then he said to them, Why all this confusion and sobbing? The child is not dead. She is only sleeping. But they laughed at him. He made them all go outside. He took only the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And he went to where the child was, and he took her by the hand. Then he said to her, Talathiakum, this means Little girl, I say to you, get up. The girl was 12 years old. Right away, she stood up and began walking around. They were totally amazed at this. Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know what had happened. And he told them to give her something to eat. Now, you can feel free to, I think, pause this right now if you want. And you want to read that as a family in another translation uh, feel free to do so and then take a couple moments to maybe see what you notice in the scripture. Uh, a couple of the things that I noticed to get you started is that both stories involve a woman getting healed, right? Or, you know, one of them is that Jairus comes in and he is advocating for his daughter, uh, while in the second story that's in there, the one in the middle, uh, the woman kind of advocates for herself. Emily, did you notice Anything in the, those passages? Yeah, so something I just noticed as Steve was reading through that is both stories have the year 12. Um, the woman had been bleeding for 12 years, and the little girl was 12 years old. Um, it's just kind of a neat picture of how the authors of the Gospels um, use these numbers and little nuances to show us um, the completion of the authority of Jesus. And I think that little number of 12, 12 is a significant number in the, um, in the faith. It's the number of tribes. And so I just, I thought that was interesting. Um, even just little nuggets like that, that might not have a life application, but we just haven't seen it in that light before. So feel free, pause it, and see what you and your family or you and yourself or your spouse or loved ones notice.
Well, I hope you had a, a good time reading and, and noticing a few things. Um, feel free to make a comment uh, here on Facebook if you, if you notice something and you want to share that with other people or share that with us. Uh, some of the other things that, that we noticed is that, you know, one of the stories uh, of the woman, uh, she's healed by, by reaching out and to touch Jesus, where in the story with the little girl, it's Jesus who reaches and, and touches her by the hand. Uh, and, and they both involve fear, where Jairus is fearful for the daughter who is, who is potentially going to be dying, and, and the woman who is fearful for kind of fessing up, for, for touching Jesus. And then uh, I guess the, the last thing uh, that I noticed was that, uh, you know, they're, they're both... This isn't the last thing, I guess. But they're both stories where the individuals had faith and they were desiring uh, something that they knew they couldn't have on their own. So they, they reached out and, and wanted to, to communicate and, and fall at Jesus' feet. Uh, Jairus fell at the feet right away to ask Jesus. And the woman fell at Jesus' feet after he asked who, who, touched, uh, who touched him. Yeah, some, some of the things I noticed was here we have two opposite ends of the social spectrum and hierarchy um, in Jewish culture. We have a synagogue um, ruler who kind of oversaw administration in the synagogue. Um, you know, he was probably very well respected in the community. And then we have this woman who has been unclean for 12 years and probably quite known in her community. Um, she's likely unmarried. Um, because she cannot bear children and you know we have she's kind of an outcast so it would have taken her a big step of faith even just to be in the crowd um, and then beyond that to, to touch Jesus feet the other thing I thought was interesting is that both of these healings would have deemed Jesus unclean um, healing a woman who had been bleeding would have left him unclean and touching a corpse would have left him unclean mm -hmm. and neither of those are of concern for Jesus and I think that shows his compassion and his servant heart and that's reassuring for us as well yeah and I think the last thing uh, is that you might have noticed is that the story starts out with Jairus but then there's this interlude as Jesus walks to uh, Jairus's house where there's the story with the woman, and then it goes. The focus goes back onto Jairus, and and his his daughter. It's kind of like a, a little sandwich structure. Uh, you know, kids like right. You put the piece of bread, and you got the the peanut butter, the jelly, or or whatever you want to put in there, and another peanut butter or another piece of bread. It's it's like that. You have the story with Jairus. You have the story with the woman, and then you come back uh, to the story with uh, Jairus. Uh, but one of these things is they both have some sense of trouble that they don't seem to have uh, hope for moving on. Uh, it's what brings a synagogue leader, like what Emily mentioned, uh, to Jesus. Normally he wouldn't have probably come to Jesus, but it seems that all hope was lost and he had no place uh, to go. Uh, and so the, he, he desired uh, to reach out to Jesus and somehow he had uh, faith in him, and as did the woman who who had struggled with this for for twelve years, and then she desired to reach out and touch them. I think it's pretty interesting when you think about that level of faith that they had, and and you kind of wonder uh, where would some faith like that come from at that time? 
you know, how likely would it be for each of them to maybe have seen Jesus actually perform any of those miracles? Yeah, I was thinking of that when we were studying this text, that the woman would not have probably been in a crowd before this. Um, she was probably secluded in her home. And so she's basing her faith off of testimony from other people. And likewise, Jairus is a synagogue leader, and he is part of this community who is plotting against Jesus. It would have been unlikely that he would have sat in a teaching time with Jesus. And so he, too, has faith based on testimony from someone else. Um, again, that's really comforting and reassuring. That amount of faith based on a testimony is the same testimony and faith that we're called to through God's word. Yeah, when, when you think about this, this faith, that Jesus often had these, these crowds gathering around him. I have some notes here about just in the book of Mark, uh, that in Mark chapter 1, verse 28, it says, And all at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the land of the surrounding region of Galilee. That was after Jesus uh, used his authority, his spiritual authority, to uh, exercise the demon out of that man. And a few verses later, and he went all throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And so here we have Jesus traveling around all throughout this area uh, in, in Galilee. And then we have Mark 2, 2. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even anyone at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. That's the story when uh, the four men bring uh, their friend and lower him through the roof. There's, there's all these people that have gathered around. And continuing, Mark 3.20, and he went home and the crowd again gathered around him so that he could not even eat. And then in Mark 5.20, just before we get to this passage, we have, and Jesus went away to proclaim in the Decapolis how much, or in the man went away, sorry, to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Uh, so this faith that Jairus had and this faith that this women have largely was something that perhaps developed out of what they kept hearing about him. All of these crowds that would gather and then they would disperse into their own areas telling perhaps the stories of, of what this rabbi had been doing. And so all of that, that what they heard about Jesus drives these people, uh, these two people, Jairus and then the woman, to seek out Jesus as one who would be able to provide them hope. Uh, provide them what they were hoping for, this desire of, of experiencing healing, because they were in a situation where they could just not do it on their own. Uh, but they both believed that if, if Jesus touched them, if Jesus touched their daughter, Jairus's daughter, or if she touched Jesus, that there would be a level of healing and grace that Jesus would administer to, to, to them. I think we see that grace as Jesus responds to both of these women with endearing terms. He says to the woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. Um, the, that word in the Greek was a word that's affectionate, it's respectful um, of a woman of her age, and she did not have that respect in her community. So her faith brought um, Jesus 
such a compassionate heart to her to respond to her but also to elevate her back to an honored position and then again um, when Jesus healed the little girl he says little girl which is um, kind of like saying come here sweetie or um, you know honey <laughs> a, a term we use for, for our own sweet dear little children um, and so again he has this compassionate heart he's he's in these huge crowds and he has um, he calls people out by name, and he still does that. Yeah, in regard to um, that uh, tilapia kumi, um, or tilapia kum, depending on what translation you have, um, N.T. Wright likes to describe it this way, and this is the way he translates it. He says, time to get up, little girl. Uh, and as Emily mentioned, Francis Chan uses the word, like, sweetie. Just this uh, in, endearing, uh, uh, calling up the child from from sleep, as Jesus called it. It'd be it'd be like me walking into the room where Elena is sleeping right now because we've decided to record this at night. <laughs> Don't worry, there's people at her house watching our kids, uh, because it would be easier for us to both be away. Uh, but it would be like me walking in there in the morning and and saying, "Hey, Elena. Hey, sweetie." It's, it's time for you to get up now. It's, it's Jesus bringing his, his comforting presence instead of the way later on Jesus will, will command uh, Lazarus to come out of the tomb. So we've, we've kind of uncovered and, and unpacked a, a variety of things. You know, all the things that we've noticed up to the point where Jesus does, in reality, uh, the miraculous of uh of healing someone's uh, disease, uh, the, the woman who touched him, as well as is, is waking up uh, the young child. And I always think that it's interesting, uh, the passage where it says, Jesus wondered, or immediately he noticed that uh, power had gone out from him. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him. Immediately he turned to the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And, and it makes me wonder, okay, you know, what, is, what does this all mean? You know, what does it mean that, that Jesus perceived that power went out from him? Power is, is the word dunamis. It's the same word that Jesus uh, says when he, go, uh, he tells the, the disciples to wait. Uh, until they are clothed with power, dunamis, uh, which we know as, as the Spirit. Um, it, it's interesting that Jesus didn't know who had actually touched him, right? Uh, but I think this is one of those times where we need to remember that Jesus, he's, he's got two natures. He's, he's fully divine. He's, he's fully God. He was, he was born a divine being, and he's fully human. And in Scripture, we see who's humanity on display as Jesus is one who didn't possess all wisdom right away, but scripture says that he grew in wisdom and knowledge and stature all his days. So he didn't possess all knowledge among himself. He needed to, to learn that. But yet in the same way, he was fully divine. We know him as, as someone that Colossians said that he's the invisible uh, image of, or he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth and in all things visible and invisible and thrones and dominions, all of that, the rulers and authorities, he's over all of those things and he helped create those things. 
But even within all of that divine that he has, there was a point when he came to earth that Philippians says he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, taking on the form of uh, the likeness of men. And he was being found in the image of men. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to even death on the cross. So he emptied himself of all that power in and of himself uh, that he could truly be human and live among us. So when we read that he sensed power that came out from him, uh, it's okay that he didn't actually realize who it was that had touched him. Uh, it, it's okay because perhaps it was the Spirit working through uh, Jesus, just as we see the Spirit working through him. After he had been baptized, we see Jesus only then begin to start performing those miracles because he had emptied himself of all that power in and of himself because he didn't want to use that to his own advantage. And so I think that's one thing that you know we might have questions about, and that's that's really okay. Because uh, I don't think we're meant to know everything right away, and there's going to be things that are, are a little bit difficult uh, for us to understand. But so this, this uh, Jesus, he sensed power, and he asked the woman to, uh, or he asked someone, who's touching me? And, and the disciples are really confused, because uh, it's probably like our house. Emily recently put a Facebook post on that talked about how uh, all the kids gather around her, sit on her lap, touch her, and it would be like her saying, who, who touched me, right? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows, right? So there's all these people around Jesus, and, and he, he is asking the question, who touched me? And the woman uh, comes forward slightly fearful and, and gets down at his feet humbly before him. And she already knows that she's healed, and she comes before him and, and tells him everything. And he said this. He said, your faith has made you well. That faith that comes from what, what she just heard about Jesus. She didn't witness it. She just heard that about him. And it's that level of faith that makes her well. And then they begin... Uh, thinking about probably going on to Jairus' house, but then someone comes in and says that uh, the daughter has already died, so why do you bother with the teacher anymore? But Jesus, having compassion, I think, on the man, is, says no. He, he takes the three disciples with him and, and goes into that room and takes her by the hand and says, sweetie, it's time to get up. The level of faith that Jairus had to just say, come lay your hands on my daughter and she will become well. I think this has to say uh, something to us today. Right, Emily? Yeah. Um, a level of faith in God where we don't know what's going to happen. There are so many things up in the air. Uh, one of the things that the administrative team and I say is it seems like things change day by day, perhaps even hour by hour of, of, of what's going to happen, and, and we don't know, right? Uh, just like Jairus didn't know what was going to happen, and just like the woman didn't know what was going to happen. But there's a level of faith that we can have, uh, knowing that we are in the hand of God, right? 
there's this level of faith that we can have uh, because it is, it is God who is, is directing and orchestrating. And though we haven't seen him and we, we, we perhaps won't see him until uh, the final day, we have heard about him and we hear about him through these stories. Sure. I think you, we also need to be a little, bit, a little bit careful that we're not equating the level of faith with the level of healing we'll receive. It's not a, a formula that Jesus is laying out, that Mark is laying out here in his gospel. Um, it's a showing of Jesus' authority um, over death and over disease, over natural attempts of the enemy to thwart people's faith in Christ. Um, obviously, that's still the case today. Um, there are natural attempts of the enemy to thwart our faith in Jesus, um, to thwart our hope. And um, it's, it's not that if you have faith enough, he will heal you of the way that you expect him to heal you, right? Um, it's about his kingdom coming. And these examples of these miraculous healings are his kingdom coming. Uh, we don't know how, what his will is for his kingdom to come, which is why we pray it right? Um, that he would reveal it to us because he already has that ongoing plan. So we got to be careful about, well, I've prayed, I have faith, I haven't been healed. Um, you know, that is what's happening, but there's, that's a part of kind of a, a tapestry of what's happening here in this gospel story. So as we think about this week, um, you know, typically when we're gathered together, we think about going out. Uh, obviously, we're not going out, but we are in. Um, and as we are in our places, in our shut down, shut in places, um, we need that hope. And the same hope that's here in this passage. Whatever faith that Jairus and this woman had um, gave them enough hope to take action and to believe that Jesus was going to do something. Um, we have access to that same hope. That's the hope that this world needs. Um, if you're talking to neighbors or even people that you're seeing in the grocery store when you do go out, um, there's a wide spectrum of emotions, and everybody can use a little bit of hope. Yeah, no, and I think uh, Jesus has charged us in a little bit different way than what he did with, with Jairus and Jairus's wife and the daughter. In verse 43, Jesus said to them, He strictly charged them that no one should know this. Right. We're in a different spot where where we should uh, be gladly and willingly and readily uh, being able to share that that hope that we have uh, is is for everyone else. It's for us and it's for everyone else. And, and it's something that we need uh, today. Uh, we need it tomorrow. We need it the next day because uh, we don't know what those days will bring. But we do know what Jesus brings. He brings restoration. He brings spiritual healing. He brings physical healing. He brings hope when there seems to be none. And that, that's someone that we can have faith in. And that's someone that we can have trust in. Why don't we pray as, as we close this time of home worship together. Dear God, I, I thank you for the opportunity uh, and the privilege it is to um, look at your word together. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity to use technology like this video camera and all these other means that 
you know, if this happened years ago, perhaps this wouldn't have been a way that we were able to continue to be your church here among the people of the world. So I pray that you would find and give us ways to share that hope, whether that's phone calls, Skype calls, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever methods you bring our way, the grocery store, that we can share that hope that we have in you, that faith and that trust that we have in you to bring about your kingdom purposes here on earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining uh, Emily and I as, as we uh, tried to do something a little bit different. Um, and in, in that vein, uh, I would love to hear um, some feedback. Feel free to email me, pastorsteve at princetoncrc.org or emily at princetoncrc.org. And, and let us know how you experienced this time where, where you had an opportunity to engage the word uh, with your family rather than just perhaps uh, uh, listening passively uh, to some people chat. Well, thank you and blessings on your Sabbath day.